SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he told his disciples to go into the world and make disciples in all nations. And a lot of times the word like disciple sounds kind of like a churchy word to you, but it's an important one to understand if you want to comprehend the way that God's challenged us to live out in the world we're living in. And we're talking with Justin Kendrick today at SWS Radio. He's a pastor of Vox Church in the New England area. How are you, Justin? I am great. Thanks for having me. You know, it's interesting, you know, when we want to grow in our faith, we try to wrap our head around the idea that, you know, we want to work better for Jesus. We want to be a stronger Christian. But a lot of times you get sucked into the work part of it, and you miss the fact that Jesus called us to do something else, to be disciples instead. Yeah, I think too often, you know, we have so many programs in church, which are great. Thank God for all of our programs, for all of our spiritual development plans when it comes to all the different church programs. But I think that Somewhere along the line, we've lost the idea that God has called us to be about people and to see real spiritual growth in people. Yeah. And so when Jesus called us to be disciples, it's like a lot of times we think we're leading our life. We think, okay, I got Jesus in my heart. I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm following God the Father. and We're charging forward. But he's also saying you're supposed to follow Yeah, I think so often, you know, Christianity becomes a set of routines that doesn't actually lead to a life that the Bible describes, right? So we've got in the Bible this incredible life of peace and joy and hope that we're constantly hearing about in Scripture. Too often, Christians don't have that experience. You know, we have a lot of Bible knowledge or a lot of Christian routines, but there's a big disconnect between the promises of the Bible and the experience of the Christian I think it's time we pause and ask why. So you just wrote an entire book all about it. I did. And I think that one of the biggest reasons why is that we haven't created patterns that support the things that we say we believe. And so in other words, we say, hey, Jesus is the center of my life. Jesus is my top priority. And then we go out and we live lives that don't pattern after that conviction. And so whatever pattern you commit to, that's what your heart passion is going to grow. And so I think a lot of times we want to be passionate about God, but we don't understand why we're not. And I would say, go back and look at your habits. We're talking about the patterns that develop in our faith rhythms, and sometimes those are good. And sometimes they kind of sway out of bounds a little bit. We're talking with Justin Kendrick about that today at SWIS Radio. And The New England area is one of the least churched areas in our country on one hand. At the same time, it also was one of the most churched at one period of time. It's so crazy when you look back to where our country all started. But Justin, you saw a disconnect in New England and you thought, you know what? I want to plant a church like on the footsteps of Yale University. Obviously, a lot of people go to Yale. They're thinking, I'm going here for intellectual knowledge. There was a spiritual element there as well. I mean, that university even started with a spiritual component. There's a divinity school there still today, but it's one of the less known things that are involved. Yeah, it's an amazing place. Obviously now, very few people are going there in pursuit of you know theological knowledge. There is a divinity school. Unfortunately, even the divinity school has drifted a bit from the scripture, but it's an interesting place because there are so many people who they have given up on classic religion, but are definitely open to spirituality. And when they see a relationship with Jesus that is vibrant and alive and active and life-changing, we've seen just a tremendous attraction to the people of God, to the church, to the work of Jesus when it's lived authentically. 
You know, it's really interesting. Uh, I'm on the West Coast, and we have stations, obviously, through Nevada and Utah and California and Idaho and Montana and Arizona. And You know, it's interesting because, like, when the pilgrims came and landed on Plymouth Rock and churches were planted, Christianity was a huge part of Americans' lives, right? A lot of people, a lot of people set their lives around the church calendar back in the 1700s and 1800s, and since then you've seen the drift in New England. Then you see in the South where that sort of grew and took root and we call it the Bible Belt still where there's still a lot of people that, you know, make Christianity a big part of their week. But on the West Coast, I don't think there's ever been any sort of Christian stronghold at all with the exception of maybe some of the things that happened during the Jesus movement in Southern California through like Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, or even some of the churches that like Father Junipero Serra was planting through California with the different missions over the years. But, you know, back in the 1800s, which is part of California's history. But it's interesting when you think about like this, are we a post-Christian culture? Are we a pre-Christian culture? And obviously in New England, it doesn't feel like a pre-Christian culture, but in some ways, the West Coast kind of does because the church, you know, people have never really set their calendars around the church community at all on the West Coast. Well, East and West, they do have some similarities in that both have walked away from a lifestyle that makes church or being a part of the family of God priority in our lives, right? And so you're right. I think East Coast, it has that history, but we're far from it. Whereas West Coast, there's a lot of it that doesn't even have that history, and yet people are far from it as well. And so it's an interesting time because I think when we have all this celebrity, all this access, all this technology, and yet at the same time, all this emptiness, right? And so, so many people are just hungry for a genuine experience with God. And I think that Christians have an opportunity to really actually live out in the context of our communities, a life that's centered on Jesus. You know, Justin, obviously living in a college town that's known from Yale University, you think about like all the intellectual knowledge about God, but you actually push through that and ask bigger questions about what are we doing to disciple people? Because that's where we're going to actually find the relationship with Jesus and the intellectual knowledge and how that connects our heart with our head. Yeah, I think a lot of times people think, oh, you can't reach Ivy League kids with the truths of the gospel. But we have to understand that the truths of the gospel transcend the intellect. You know, the Bible talks about deep calls unto deep. And we have seen the smartest people on the planet experience the grace of God and be completely changed by it. So when grace gets on the inside and really starts to change your heart, your head sometimes has to catch up. But it's the most powerful force on earth. Now we're talking with Justin Kendrick today at SWS Radio, and he has a new book. It's called Bury Your Ordinary Practical Habits for a Heart Fully Alive. You know, God speaks to us all the time, but discerning his voice, sometimes it's hard with all the noise that we have going on in our lives. And we're talking about that with Justin Kendrick today at SWS Radio. And I remember the story of Gideon in the Old Testament of the Bible, right? And he like lays out this fleece at night for God. And you can read through the story in Judges if you want to dig into it. But a lot of Christians like develop these ridiculous ways of sort of justifying where they think they heard from God. Now, we're not Gideon, so I'm not putting that down by any means because Gideon was called by God and Gideon had like a way where he knew how God was showing up in his life. But we try to replicate things like that. We feel like, is God showing up? Is he not? And Family Christian published an excerpt from your book talking about like four simple tests to discern whether or not that voice you're hearing is actually the voice of God or not. What have you learned, Justin? 
you know, Scott, I think so often, you know, we read a story in the Bible like Gideon, and obviously God used Gideon in a powerful way, but then we think that that's the template for hearing God, you know? And when you go back and you listen to that story, like you said, God bless Gideon, but he was fearful and anxious. I mean, he did that out of his own anxiety, not as a model for people of faith. And so in the book, I talk about four specific tests that are really helpful when you're making a decision and going, you know, which direction do I go? You know, what choice do I make? The first is the doctrine test. That's just basically what does the Bible teach? I think that's simple, but oftentimes Christians skip it, right? And so the Bible does give us a moral framework for life. And starting there will bring a lot of clarity. The second is a disciple test. That's the question, does this make me more like Jesus? You know, does this make me more like Jesus? Sometimes the answer will be yes, sometimes no. Sometimes it feels neutral. But either way, it's a helpful question to ask. The third is the DNA test. And that's where do I see clues of God's DNA? Where do I see his providence? Where do I see his guidance? Or maybe over time, where have I seen him moving in my life? And then the fourth is what I call the dinner table test. And that's often the most helpful. That's the one where you sit down with the people you trust and leaders in your life, leaders from your church, and you say, what do you think? And if they're sitting around the dinner table saying, we think you're an idiot, it's probably time <laughs> to slow down. And so those four simple tests can be really helpful when you're confused and uncertain about God's plan. You know, we're talking about how we can discern when we're actually hearing God's voice. And we're talking with Justin Kendrick today at SWS Radio. And just a minute ago, he was explaining like four ways that you can kind of break that down and say like, okay, am I hearing myself? Is this emotion? Is this lining up with scripture? And that's the one that I think a lot of us, we just kind of gloss over. And it's even interesting in a lot of the heritage universities in our country that were founded on Christian principles in their charter, or they had a divinity school that was teaching and in growing pastors and Christian leaders and educating them like Harvard and Yale and Princeton, for example. And I'm not trying to put any of those schools down per se, but now in this day of tolerance and this day of social justice and, and the way that we interpret, you know, how we interact with other people, our emotions have crept in and we push certain things down in the doctrine with this idea that we feel like, oh, maybe that excludes someone. We're going to have to minimize that. And it's a creep that's happened. It it wasn't somebody saying, hey, we're not going to talk about the scriptures anymore. It was just like a slow fade down and pushing something down and pushing something else down and pushing something else down. You even look at some of the divinity schools from you even look at like some of the websites of these divinity schools today. And you see that they say other things other than what the doctrine shares. And you go, man, this is really tough when this is educating a lot of pastors and Christian leaders. In the book, I talk about this idea of expressive individualism, and the expressive individualism means that the most true version of myself is when I express outwardly whatever I feel most inwardly, right? And so that's kind of like the, the narrative of our day, right? Like you just got to be yourself. You just got to express yourself. Just be true to yourself. The problem is when you build your identity on your feelings or truth on your feelings, it changes every, uh, you know, whatever, 48 hours, every week, every, every <laughs> month. And so we have this world that is sort of scrambling to know who we are, to know who God is. And, you know, we have this great history in our nation of people who based their identity, their life on something outside of themselves, which was God's revealed truth in the scripture. And when we get back to that, I think I talk to so many people that are kind of living their life based on their feelings. And, you know, the most honest question you can ask is, how's that going for you? And the <laughs> truth is people are really aware that it's not working. It's not really working. And so if you'll have the courage to pattern your life on God's truth, even when you don't agree with it or like it, you'll discover that in the end, 
you'll find joy. And that's one of the great powers of the Christian faith to offer something to people that really does bring joy in the long run. Truth is not changed by emotion at all. And we're talking about that with Justin Kendrick today at SOS Radio. And he's an author, pastor in Connecticut. Justin, you talk a lot about discipleship in your new book. It's called Bury Your Ordinary. And it's really about like developing some practical habits to like bring our, our heart back alive. And the emotions are an amazing part of our heart, but our emotions can never be our North Star because truth has to be, right? I mean, that's what you are just talking about a minute ago. And when we want to like get to the place where we can have some spiritual growth habits, we've got to look at what part of our life is being led by emotion and what part of our life is being led by actual truth. <laughs> yeah, it's such an important truth. I mean, the idea is behind this book is that we often think that we're supposed to follow our feelings. But what the book talks about is that there are habits we can develop that actually redirect our feelings. And that's where we find joy. Because when I start to do something that's a discipline, right? It could be anything, trying to cut back on eating donuts or, you know, trying to whatever. We all got our different disciplines that we're all working on, right? Whenever I do it, it's never fun in the beginning. It's a burden and it's difficult. But then the more I do it, the more I actually find my desires change, right? I actually desire God more when I start with biblical habits. And so this book really started with the question of how do we grow spiritually? And though there are a lot of different philosophies or activities that we can be a part of, this book just outlines seven specific habits that will grow our love for God and kind of shrink our love for the things of this world. And they're, they're so simple that anybody can do them, but they're so challenging that it really will take a lifetime to get them done well. You know, there's a lot of different kinds of love. And I think in our English language, we just sort of mesh them all together. and We miss like three quarters of it. We're talking with Justin Kendrick today, SWS Radio. Like in the New Testament of the Bible, I mean, it was written in Greek. And the interesting thing about that language is there's a handful of words for love, like the phileo friendship kind of love. Eros is the romantic kind of love. Agape is like the unconditional love that Jesus uses a lot. But Justin, in your new book, you talk about how like when we truly want to understand what it means to be a disciple and how to disciple others, we have to understand this context of what this agape love is all about. Yeah, I think a lot of times we have a foggy idea of what does it mean to grow spiritually, right? Especially in America, we think, you know, in the Western world, growing spiritually means being a leader in the church or growing spiritually means memorizing the Bible or going to church all the time or, you know, and so I think if you ask most Christians, what does it mean to be spiritually mature? You get a little bit of a song and dance. We're not really <laughs> sure. I love what Jonathan Edwards said so many years ago. He said that spiritual maturity boiled down is growth in agape love. It is to love God more and it is to love others more. So to the degree that I live in God type love, that's the degree that I'm truly mature, which by the way, is a very sobering idea, right? All of us go, wow, uh, I need to grow spiritually a little bit more now. You know, like it's a very convicting idea, but then the next question is, okay, so how do I grow in love? And that's where this book comes in is, well, there are certain habits that can help my heart grow in love. We're talking with Justin Kendrick today at SWS Radio. A new book's called Bury the Ordinary, Practical Habits of a Heart Fully Alive. Hey, Justin, thanks for your time today. Such an honor. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through SOSradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.